I wanted to share a tool that I started using recently. And if you're doing any prospecting or lead sourcing from LinkedIn, it's definitely worth checking out. The tool is called Surf and it's spelled S-U-R-F-E. It's a Chrome extension that allows you to add contacts to your CRM directly from LinkedIn. I use it to add contacts quickly, follow my deals, keep track of my notes. And it's actually saved me a bunch of time. The data is always 100% accurate because I don't have to copy and paste each detail from each contact over to my CRM. Instead, Surf does it all for me automatically with just one click. Now, the folks over at Surf have been kind enough to put together a promo offer for fans of SSP. You can go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code JWSURF with an E5 for a 5% discount on your first year. Check out the link in the show notes and go check them out. This one is for the savvy startups and SMBs out there. I've got a secret weapon for you that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come along with using one of the big player CRM systems. That secret weapon is Close CRM. Now let's face it, we've all been there. We've used a clunky, confusing system that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, fear not, Close is here to save your time, money, and sanity. Close has all of the powerful sales tools you need, minus the drama, to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets effortlessly. It has calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and it even has meeting tracking built right in. It's easy to set up and implement. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing customers today. You can start a free trial using the link in the show notes, special for SSP fans. Hello, SaaS sales players. It's me, Jesse, and I'm officially back on a content creating routine. Uh, as you know, I fell off the wagon for a little bit there. Uh, and I'd mentioned in a previous episode that was partly due to some international travel that took several weeks. And then between some personal stuff going on, uh, frankly, just being especially busy in my day job, as you all know out there, you're all selling. It's a, it's a crazy market right now. And the amount of effort to, to get a deal done is significantly more than it was even a year ago, I'd say. And so as a result, I was not able to put aside quite as much mental bandwidth, time, uh, and energy to put towards the podcast and getting content out there. So I'm officially back though. I'm on uh, a better routine now. Hopefully you caught my last episode with Christine. Uh, she is a longtime friend uh, and mentor of mine. And we've worked together for a really long time. And she shared a lot of awesome stuff around preparing for interviews and evaluating your next startup uh, or SaaS opportunity. She's especially good in those areas and works with some of the top executives in the space to get them placed. So uh, check out that episode. Also check out her show. But um, today I wanted to go into a topic that I'm, I'm thinking about a lot uh, as I start to have buyers that say, hey, uh, I definitely am interested in this. It's just not the time's not going to be right now. Maybe that's because of the macroeconomics. Maybe it's due to internal competing priorities. Uh, it might be due to any number of factors that your buyers or your prospects need to push the, the deal cycle out, or they need to revisit the project at a later time. Now, there's some things you can do to try to overcome that as a, you know, objection. But a lot of times there's just nothing else you can do uh, when you have a buyer say, Hey, uh, we've got to revisit this again in, you know, the, the latter part of the year, uh, because we just don't have the bandwidth or the time or the budget or whatever it is. And again, there's ways to overcome all of those objections. And this is going to be more general advice. I can't give specific advice on specific deals. 
you uh, as the seller should know the specifics of the deal cycle you're in, the company you're working with. And so you should be able to distinguish whether these are, are objections or whether they're legitimate timeline uh, you know, issues for, for implementing your, your SaaS, right? So uh, I wanted to come up with a couple of ideas here for how you can nurture prospects in a way that uh, adds a lot of value and that's helpful to the buyer. And without having to just send the old check-in or follow-up emails. Uh, so rather than just every other week sending a, hey, just checking in, John or Jane, uh, how, how do you add value to uh, that relationship in a way that allows you to nurture these prospects over time and eventually become your customers? I had a previous manager that used to say, um, you know, eventually eventually you'll get a yes if you continue to be persistent. Um, I've actually had several managers say something to that extent. I'm probably butchering it a little bit. Uh, but basically, if, if you stay consistent and persistent, but politely persistent uh, in a way that adds value, eventually you'll build a business relationship. And I talk about this a lot on the show. Uh, this, the, the game of sales is not about selling uh, as much as it is about being a good business person. And as part of being a good business person, you want to build business relationships. So here's some ideas for how you can continue to nurture your prospects, your buyers over a long period of time until they are hot and ready to go uh, pick up your product or sign an order form, right? So the first thing is this is pretty basic and hopefully everybody out there is already doing this. And, and if so, apologies for preaching to the choir, uh, but set an outreach task and account and or a calendar reminder. So if you have outreach, you can set up a, a long-term task with your buyer that maybe puts the, the next touch out four to six weeks or eight weeks. I typically, you know, depending on the specifics of the deal, I will tend to wait about eight weeks before I follow up with a prospect. My deal cycles can be a little bit longer. If you're on a shorter deal cycle, maybe you want to follow up once a month. This is really where you've got to use your best judgment. And uh, this is the part of being a seller that can't yet be automated. You've got to use the best judgment for your buyer as to when you should follow up. And again, for longer deal cycles, that could be only following up every six months uh, or every four months, right? Versus every month. So use your best judgment based on what a typical buying cycle is. I tend to, to try to wait about eight weeks before I follow back up with someone. The other caveat is if you have a buyer who specifically says, hey, follow up with me in May or follow up with me in June, then I tend to be as you know true to that and respectful to that as possible. Uh, the one other kind of caveat there is if I have someone say, follow back up the first week of June, I might reach out the last week of May uh, and try to schedule something for that first week of June. So keep that in mind. The other uh, nuance there is also holidays. So sometimes I'll have people say, follow up in January. And I might say, would it be okay if I reach out at the you know mid-December before the holidays just to get something on the calendar for January? Or if it's close enough to January, you might even say, can we go ahead and put a you know placeholder on on the on the docket for the second week of January and if we need to change that later we totally can so those are some of the tactics I use use your tools uh, that you have at your disposal again um, if you don't have outreach because outreach will let you just set up a task and you'll actually get a reminder I think Salesforce does the same thing I haven't used Salesforce tasks in in, in years I have used outreach tasks uh, and found them to be very effective in planning and uh, being consistent on doing activities. And even if those activities have, you know, again, months between them, 
Uh, they're very effective for, for reminders. You can get desktop alerts and things like that. There's probably some other tool out there that I'm not thinking about that does this too, but I try to just keep my tech stack very simple. And since I already use outreach, I, I just use outreach for tasks. And then a lot of times, if it's a really high priority one, I'll also put a little reminder in my calendar. And Gmail calendar actually has a reminder option when you set a calendar invite, you can just, or a to-do list option. So I use either the to-do list or the reminder uh, and then I'll, you know, click the button. It, there's some weird dopamine hit that I get when I click a uh, check box on a to-do calendar option. So I might write a note saying reminder to follow up with John in the the last week of May, right? And I'll put that on the Monday or the Tuesday of that last week of May, right? So I'll put an actual Gmail calendar invite, and then I get a little alert uh, that or, or a desktop notification that that reminds me that I need to follow back up with John from acme uh, acme company right just as an example so that's uh that's one idea just make sure you're you're setting some sort of reminder for yourself the best way to do that is using the tools you have at hand outreach your gmail calendar your outlook calendar and uh i suppose there's probably other tools out there that you might be using for reminders and tasks so use those use what you have at your disposal don't overcomplicate it and use your best judgment don't follow up every week, uh, especially if someone's told you that they can't do anything right now and that the project's on hold for, you know, an indefinite or long period of time, don't follow up every week. And we'll get more in a minute into kind of how to follow up and add value versus just, uh, Hey, following up, you said to follow up, I'm just checking in. Uh, the goal is to eliminate those check-in emails. So, uh, the other thing you can do that I, I do, I should say, that I really like to do is to is to drip content out to my my buyers over a period of time. Again, I'm not going to do this every week. I'm definitely not going to do it every day. But maybe once a month, I send over some piece of content to my prospect that they might find valuable. Right now, the tendency is often to take whatever your marketing team has put out, whether that's a blog or a white paper or a podcast episode and send only things from your company over to your buyer. And I do some of that. I think you should use some of your company's marketing resources and white papers and content to, to send over to your buyers to help them keep your brand on top of mind. But I try not to do that every time. And I really try to get creative with what I send because I wanna show them that my goal is to help educate them around the industry, not just about my product. I want them to feel like I'm genuinely someone who understands and has an expertise in their field and that I'm not just an expert on the product for the company I work for, right? So hopefully that makes sense. But some ways you can do that is spend some time researching trade publications, blogs, newsletters, podcasts that are specific to your buyer's industry or your buyer's category. And there's a bunch of them out there, especially if you sell to, to sales leaders, there's so many. Um, if you sell to marketers, there's a bunch also, but find out what publications they read and then try to set up some Google alerts that will actually give you some content from those publications that you can share that they might find helpful. So one that I always go back to is Harvard Business Review. And that's not specific to my industry per se, but it's a really, uh, obviously really credible uh, publication. And they talk about a range of different business topics that can interest almost anybody. So I will find something semi-relevant to, to what they're working on or what I know they're working on. And I'll send over an article 
uh, from Harvard Business Review. And a lot of times I'll add my own thoughts to, to whatever I send, right? So I'll read a Harvard Business Review article and then summarize maybe the top two or three things that I think they might find interesting relative to the conversations we've had relative to what I know about their business. And I'll forward that over as a, hey, I thought you might find this, this blog piece on the Harvard Business Review website really interesting. Here's what I liked about it. So send that over, nurture them with some content, try to find content that's unbiased as, as, as possible. Don't send over too much promotional content. I realize you, you, you do have to send over some uh, of your marketing team's content and it's, it's helpful. I think the best example of what you can send in terms of your company's content is uh, customer success stories or case studies. Those are what I send. I'll send uh, you know a specific customer success story and even then I tend to summarize it. Like I might take one or two of the, the main ideas out of the success story and say, hey, I thought I'd send you this success story because uh, I noticed some similarities between this customer of ours and your brand. And try to be as specific as possible so they can see where you're coming from with that content. But I think if you are gonna send your marketing team's content, case studies and success stories are a great place to start. Of course, there's always things like white papers and webinars and podcasts and everything else. But I'd start with those. I think they, they find the customer success stories the most uh, relevant and helpful. So yeah, curating content is, is a way that you can send over relevant content that you don't have to create. You're just taking someone else's content, summarizing what you liked about it, what you thought might be valuable about it, and forwarding that on to your buyer. And I've found that this really builds a lot of credibility and trust with the buyer. And uh, they tend to then look at you as someone who's a consultant and uh, a partner in their, uh, you know, in their journey to improve their tech stack and improve, you know, whatever KPIs or whatever goals or objectives they're trying to drive towards that they're working with you on. So a great way to make yourself a thought leader and someone that they can see as a trusted partner is curate and drip content over to your buyers. Again, don't do it every day. Don't do it every week. But every couple of weeks, I don't think it hurts to send over some piece of relevant content as often as possible. And I think you'll find that it starts to build a really great relationship from, from that trust. So the next thing I wrote down was connect or follow your buyers, your prospects on LinkedIn. And um, a, lot of, a lot of folks out there don't like to just send connects. I tend to just connect. Uh, I didn't used to. I used to focus on following. But lately, I'm just in a habit of connecting with everybody if I have a discovery call with somebody, I tend to connect with everybody on that call right afterwards. That's part of my follow-up flow. Um, I'll just send an invite to connect. And I, you know, not everybody accepts that. And in that case, you know, it's good to follow someone on LinkedIn also. So the key is you want to either connect or follow with your buyers and then set up some alerts within Sales Navigator and LinkedIn. That way, whenever they post or share something on LinkedIn, you get an alert or it comes up in your Sales Navigator feed. And with that, you can kind of see what they're thinking about. You get a nice, you get some nice insight into what their their focus is, what they're what they're working on, what their team is working on. And what I do is I tend to try to go like content only only on a genuine basis, right? I don't like content just for the sake of liking it. I tend to scroll through my sales navigator feed and make sure that it's something that resonates and that you know I thought was good content. I don't just like for the sake of liking. And then I take it a step further. And I'll even comment uh, thoughtfully on the post. I wouldn't just comment for the sake of commenting either. Really read the article and make sure it's something you agree with or have an opinion on or have something to contribute to the conversation. And then you can comment on those posts. 
your buyers, when they see you engaging with their content on LinkedIn or Twitter or any other platform, uh, it's going to build some, uh, some goodwill. It's going to help create a relationship and it's going to help you to continue to nurture them long-term. So thoughtful content, something else too, is it's okay to disagree with your prospects and, and, I don't want to use the word calling them out, but it's okay to call out uh, or bring that to their attention, or it's okay to differ an opinion and comment on that. You don't have to always agree hundred percent with everything that your buyers post. This is a little bit of a slippery slope though. So it might take some practice and, and thought on how you want to approach that, but it's totally okay if you don't see exactly eye to eye with your buyer. And if they share, let's say a particular article on a topic that you don't fully agree with, it's okay to be uh, you know, it's, it's okay to not agree with that and still comment and say that. In fact, your buyer might actually respect that you're willing to share your thoughts on it as long as it's constructive and not, uh, you know, toxic in any way. So it's a very slippery slope, but it, it is something to think about that, you know, again, you don't want to just agree and be, uh, you know, someone who just agrees with, with all the content just because it's your prospect and you're trying to suck up to your prospect. Don't do that. Um, be genuine. And if it's something you don't agree, agree with, or if it's, if they post content that doesn't resonate, it's okay to say that, but just make sure you're saying it in a way that's respectful and contributes to the dialogue and doesn't detract. So the next thing I put here was build something. You can build something for your prospect or buyer and hand that over as a deliverable. And it is very, very valuable. And it's a great way to follow up rather than, again, sending a check-in email. Hey, just checking in to see where things are at with this project. What if you actually built something that they could find useful and you sent that over and said, hey, you know, Mrs. Prospect, Jane, I was thinking about uh, when we last spoke, you know, three, four months ago, and you had wanted to see a mock-up of what this would look like in a production instance or in a production environment. You wanted to see what our software looked like live. And I went ahead and put together a mock-up of what that flow would look like once the software is live for your team, right? So building something that they can see, a visual resource, making a video, something that breaks up the just monotony of, hey, just checking in. Hey, just following up. Hey, where's where's things at with this project? Is this moving along? Rather than just saying that over and over and over again, add value and find something that you can put together that, that adds value to your buyer. So here's a few ideas. A proof of concept. Uh, can you actually set up a trial or a demo of your product that they can put their hands on and use? This is especially important with technical buyers. You don't want to just keep sending check-in emails and you don't want to just follow the standard kind of follow-up procedure, you want to actually help them get their hands on your product. So to do that, a proof of concept, or um, I've called them a proof of value in the past, get their hands on the product, let them try it out, let them experiment, let them load real data into something so they can see exactly how your SaaS works and decide, uh, you know, first this is going to help them get uh, excited and then it's going to help them decide where this stands in their priority queue. So proof of concept, a mock-up, can you mock up a design, a website? Can you mock up a visual of some sort that helps them see the outcome that they're going to achieve with your product? A few other things that I've done in, in my, um, you know, in past buying cycles is like a one-page cheat sheet. Can you put together a one-pager and the cheat sheet can take on any number of different topics, right? Like it, it can be something relevant to their industry. You can take data from your existing customers and just put together a one page sheet that says, 
hey, here's how you could, here's a rapid implementation cheat sheet that I just put together for you. This would show you how we could get you implemented in one month instead of six months, which is what our competitors uh, take to, to implement, right? So find out a way to build that. It's not, it's not that difficult. It's, it might involve you going internally and talking to other reps who've successfully done something like this, speaking to your success resources, your post-sale resources, speaking to your leadership, figuring out how to compile all the data in one place. There's so many different ways you could put together cheat sheets that'll help your, your buyers. So find out something that they might find very valuable and condense it down to one page and send that over as a cheat sheet. Here's another great one, um, an RFP template, right? So a lot of times, when large companies do a, an RFP or a request for proposal, the team has to spend a bunch of time coming up with every possible question that they want to ask about your software. And that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of collaboration on their side. So what I've done in the past is I've actually helped put together uh, an idea of what questions they might want to ask in an evaluation of a product or a SaaS. And the advantage you have by helping them put something like that together is that you can help guide the questioning in the questionnaire so that it favors your technology over your competitors. So putting together like an RFP resource, um, a questionnaire template, a lot of times I'll put together some sort of a write-up or a one-pager on our competitors and how we differ and areas that are, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of both my SaaS and the competitor's SaaS. And I try to be as unbiased as possible. Uh, and really focus on showing them the differences and, you know, the pros and cons of, of whichever direction they decide to go. So some kind of competitive info is good. A lot of times I'll put together a one slide, just a single slide that has some business value data points in there, a couple of bullets on, you know, why, uh, you know, the why on the business side and maybe some ROI type, type uh, graphics and data. All of this is available. All of this can be uh, accessed. And it's all super, super valuable for your buyers. So the next thing I put down is creating a shared Slack channel between your teams. So I've done this quite a few times now where I'll bring a buyer into a shared Slack with my tech team or my solutions team or my developers. And that way uh, my buyer can actually interact with the rest of my team and they can start to see how we work and how we think about things. And they can start to interact with the people that they're gonna be working with long-term to implement and to have success with our product. So this is something that's relatively easy to do. You can reach out to your Slack admin and if your buyer reaches out to their Slack admin, there's a way to connect the two channels together and you can have these shared conversations. And it's a great way to follow up that's not through email. It's not a check-in email when you're slacking your buyers and saying, hey, here's the next step on this. And you know, I saw this chatter going on in the shared channel and I wanna make sure I followed up on that. So it's a lot easier to follow up when you're on a messaging channel. And the, the add-on to that is also SMS texting. If you have your buyer's cell number, it's good to send thoughtful text messages, not, not follow-ups or not check-ins, but a thoughtful text message that shows that you're you know, thinking about what comes next and you're checking in. So when you start doing these things, it gets a lot easier to nurture when you're that you know tied into texting, you're in a shared Slack channel. It's pretty hard for someone to go dark uh, when, when they're you know in that situation and there's a pretty good chance you're gonna close the deal if you're having that much engagement with your buyer. So uh, last one that I'll share here, because I'm running out of time, this is something I've done quite a bit, is you go and check your prospect company's careers page 
and you look at some of the job openings that might roll up under your buyer uh, or your buyer's manager, or just in general, your buyer's team. And if there's any chance you're connected to a candidate that is uh, a fit for that position, helping to make intros uh, so they can hire and hit their hiring goals is builds a lot of goodwill and it will really help build your you know business relationship with your buyers. So try that out. And, and even if you don't know somebody, maybe it's just great to call that out when you are speaking to your buyers and let them know that you're aware that they're trying to hire, you know, uh, a data analyst on their team and that you're going to keep an ear out and try to find uh, if there's a, if there's someone that might fit that role. So that's a great way to, again, just show you're paying attention to the trends in their business, to what's top of mind for them and showing them that you're going to be thoughtful and try to add value wherever you can. In this case, introducing them to a potential candidate would add a lot of value. So those are my ideas. Uh, would love to hear from the audience if they have any other things that they've done to help continue to nurture their buyers and their prospects through a deal cycle, especially a long-term one, one that you know might go on hold for several months or, or a year. How do you keep your buyers engaged? I want to hear about it. Shoot me an email, send me an email, and thanks for tuning in.